July 22nd. As we look into the New Testament today, our reading will be from the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 14, and we'll go through chapter 8, verse 8. We'll see that if the law cannot change us or control us, what good is it? Its purpose is to reveal sin, and it does this job very well, as we shall see. Paul learned that the law even aroused evil desires in him. If something as holy as God's law can arouse sinful desires, what wicked sinners we must really be. Law brings out the worst in us, but love brings out the best in us. The Holy Spirit within us helps us to do what God wants. And we'll read about life. You see, when God saved you, He gave you a new life, not a new law. As you yield to that life, you obey His law. So keep your mind centered on the things of the Lord, and seek to please God in all things. Let the Spirit live His life in you. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 22nd, Romans chapter 7, verse 14, through chapter 8, verse 8. The law is good, then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me, Paul, because I am sold into slavery, with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, and my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good. But I can't help myself, because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God! The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, 
but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. A while back, there was some major flooding in the southern part of our country, and there was an incident that you may have seen on the news. It was an SUV that had flipped over entirely and was sitting in the rushing water, and inside the SUV was a little baby. The water was rushing by the vehicle so fast that it was impossible to open up the doors because the, the pressure of the water was preventing that from happening. And thankfully, somebody noticed that there was a little baby inside, rushed to the car, but of course couldn't get inside. And then more people noticed, and they came, and they started trying to get inside, but, it, but they couldn't figure out how. They started rocking the vehicle back and forth, pushing on the windows, pushing on the doors, doing whatever they could, until finally... One man emerged from the water in the SUV holding the little baby in his arms, and the little baby was not breathing. He started making his way through the rushing water to get to the other side of the water where the paramedics were, eventually handed the baby over to the paramedics who started performing CPR, and someone was filming this whole thing on their phone. And if you watch the video, you can hear a woman in the background praying over and over again that God would give breath to this little kid. And he did. The little baby lived. How often do you feel like that little baby in the SUV? Drowning, maybe not on water, but, but on worry. From some situation you may or may not have seen coming. I want you to think about everything that needed to happen in order to save that little child in the SUV. I mean, firstly, somebody needed to notice that the child was in there. And then they needed to actually decide to do something about it. And then they needed to struggle their way through the rushing water. And then the child needed CPR. And then someone needed to pray, putting the life of this precious child into the hands of our Heavenly Father. And if any one of those things did not happen, I think the situation probably would have turned out far different. But it didn't. And Jesus says really the same thing about you. Everything that needed to happen to save you from a life in which we pretty regularly feel like we're drowning, it did happen. In verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us to do something. He tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But before we can seek those things, those things needed to be prepared. And they were when Jesus shed his blood. But only after he noticed us drowning in this world. And only after he decided to do something about it, he put on human skin and he dove into a world that is so regularly flooded with danger because he knew that that was the only way to put our fragile lives into the hands of a God who is compassionate and abounding in love and slow to anger. But unlike that little baby in the SUV, Jesus really did die. He really was dead because he really did want his sacrifice to give you the gift of forgiveness for all the times we have doubted him to give you the gift of his righteousness, to give you the gift of knowing that every step that you take in his kingdom is one that you can take with confidence. We love hearing about the many lives that are being touched by these videos. Support from people just like you makes it possible for us to produce them. Would you consider becoming a Grace Partner? Become part of the team with a monthly donation to Time of Grace so that more lives can be impacted by the timeless truths from God's Word that these videos share.
Today we're reading in Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15. We'll see that David sang this song after God delivered him from his enemies and established him as the king of Israel. But keep in mind that he often sang to God in the midst of his trials. It is easier to sing after victory. It takes faith to sing during the battle. As David looked back on those difficult years, what did he see? Well, he saw God's faithfulness. God saved David, protected him, and strengthened him when Saul and his men were out to kill him. Is God your refuge and your strength? He saw God's righteousness. It humbled David to think that God would condescend to call him, equip him, and help him. And he saw God's exaltedness. David did not take credit for his victories. He gave all the glory to the Lord. Whatever David had, God gave it to him. Whatever he was, God made him. Whatever he did, God enabled him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15. For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. For God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, for He saves me from my enemies. The ropes of death surrounded me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from His sanctuary. My cry reached His ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The fountains of the mountains shook. They quaked because of His anger. Smoke poured from His nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from His mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angel he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. The brilliance of his presence broke through the clouds, raining down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High gave a mighty shout. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were greatly confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. Proverbs 19 Verses 24 and 25. Some people are so lazy that they won't even lift a finger to feed themselves. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. If you reprove the wise, they will be all the wiser.